Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. It's uh, good to be with you and to be with God's people as we worship God together uh, this morning. And we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. Uh, We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and to fill them out. So we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We would certainly appreciate that. And uh, we want to uh, thank Heather McCormick for being with us again today, uh, filling in at the piano. We are always grateful for your, your ministry and your, uh, your talents and, and your willingness to share that with us. So thank you so much, Heather, for being with us today. Uh, yesterday, uh, I, along with some, some, some of you, were at the, uh, the summit on race uh, poverty and inequality at the Fine Arts Center, and I just want to let you know that that was a wonderful program. It was a wonderful program, and so thank you for those who who attended that and were a part of that, and we look forward to some things coming from that, some uh, activities and some plans um, to address these issues in our community in in the days moving ahead. Uh, We are continuing with our Upward program, and uh, I invite you to come and be a part of that. Uh, We'll be uh, having our games on Saturday, and we can always use an extra hand on Saturdays because it's kind of of chaotic around here, and we could use a little bit of help. And, uh, Rachel, I think you have an announcement, so you can come on. And while you're coming, Sybil, I think you have an announcement, too. We have our fall festival this Friday, uh, so we are needing people to come Thursday evening, 7 o'clock, to start breaking down the basketball goals and setting up the Halloween decor for Friday. Um, Lana is still needing about five people to bake cookies, two to three dozen cookies each. So if you can cook cookie, bake cookies, 
um, please get in touch with Lana and let her know. We're also needing people to clean up Friday evening after the festival is over with. We're needing about four or five more people to come about 7.30, 8 o'clock Friday evening to break down the Halloween decor and put the basketball goals up because we have basketball Saturday morning beginning at 9 o'clock. So if you can come and help break down and set up for the Saturday games, please let Miss Lana or myself know um, that you can do that. Thank you. Uh, so this evening, um, we have been invited by St. Paul's and the um, Presbyterian Church to uh, go to Kate's Farm. So the youth group, we're going to meet tonight here at 4.30 to go to Kate's Farm from 5 to 7. And it says that everyone will hunt for pumpkins. Those who choose can paint theirs. There's a corn maze, a scavenger hunt, outdoor games, and a hayride. And then they're going to have uh, hot dogs and s'mores and stuff to make to eat there. So we will eat there as well. And just bring extra money if you want. They said they have, they sell popcorn, drinks, cider, souvenirs. So, um, for snacks and stuff if they want, or if they wanted to do, get a souvenir to bring extra money. So hope to see all the youth at 4.30. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We will also be uh, serving lunch with the Salvation Army on Saturday, and so uh, you may want to volunteer for that as well. I tell you, when um, Sybil was making an announcement about the Harvest Fest, I was just getting tired with all of the... Uh, uh, setting up and breaking down and setting up and breaking down again, but that's the nature of our building, folks. We use it, we use it well, and uh, and we use it a lot in a, in a lot of different ways. And so, you know the drill, uh, and we appreciate uh, your your willingness to to help us set up and break down and things. Let's stand now and sing our song of gathering, 425. He keeps me singing. fragmented lives into the presence of your wholeness. We bring our wandering thoughts into your eternal light. We bring our restless spirits into the calming strength of your presence. We give you thanks because even in moments of great anxiety, when the, the threads of our lives are hanging loose and chaotic and disconnected, 
we can still be confident that you are with us. We're too busy to stop hurling ourselves through life, weary from so much responsibility. And we confess, O oh God, and we confess again that, that we have labored under the assumption that the way to find rest for our souls is to finish our to-do list, to present it to you like a book. Forgive our, our compulsion, O oh God, to do and to do and to do. I mean, sometimes we simply need to be in your presence. We forget, O oh God, that your grace surrounds us always. Remind us that we do not have to go it alone. And when we look down the road, we see Jesus waiting to heave the weight of our load upon his shoulders. So help us, O oh God. Help us to relinquish our load and rest in your mercy. We claim your grace, O oh God, with great thanksgiving and with joy. Amen. Will you please join me in the responsive reading? Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, yes, what joy for those whose record bore the spirit of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Amen.
Our scripture reading is taken this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the word of the Lord. We don't have music? All right. Then uh, come on, kiddos. Let's come on down. Ding, 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 ding. Are y'all here? Oh, shoot. I almost fell over that. Would you mind, Gracie, would you mind to pick that up for me? And, uh, Carrie, you're going to have to stand up, though. Pick that up. Will you carry that and put that over there so it's out of the way? Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I just set it down there. Oh. Gosh, that was, would you, you know what, I don't really like it right there. Would you mind to come, no, I'm going to, would you mind to go get that and bring it and put it there by Miss Mary for me, would you? Oh, thank you, Joe. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Would you mind, I don't really think I want Miss Mary to be by Miss, would you mind to go get it and come bring it over here by me? Meg, would you do that for me? Gosh, thank you. Was that very heavy? It wasn't? Not at all? Hmm. I thought it was kind of heavy. Did y'all want to know what I had? Y'all didn't think that was heavy? Wait a minute. Let me tell you. Preacher's going to talk to us today about guilt. Do you know what guilt is? You don't? Have you ever felt guilty about something? Have you? Did you just say... I did that, I'm sorry, and then you went on and never did it again? Or did you do it again and again and again? Did you ever feel bad about what you did and carried it around? Look what's inside there, Gracie. You go ahead and open it up. Unzip it and see what I'm carrying. You want to pull one of those out and read it for me, what it says? Guilt? Yeah. Joe, you want to pull one out of there? our daily lives, that the things that we did, we might mess up. And we carry this guilt with us a lot. What, do you think it would slow us down if you were going for a walk and you were carrying that with you? Do you think it would slow you down any? you think you could still hike maybe a mile or two with that and no problem? It'd be easier to leave it behind, wouldn't it? Do you know that um, Jesus is there for us to turn our guilt over to? We sometimes think we have to carry our guilt along with us. And do you know if we're carrying our guilt away? See, y'all are paying attention to your guilt and not even listening to me. And that is exactly what I wanted you to do. Because we sometimes focus so much on what our guilt is that we don't focus on what God wants us to do. So, if we set our guilt down, turn it all over to Jesus... Here, I had some more guilt in here, too. And we just lay it down there with them. 
Because he knows we're going to mess up. I mess up. You mess up. We all do. Then, Gracie, you want to see how heavy my bag is now? Our journey becomes easier. And with our focus not being on our guilt and our focus being on what God wants us to do, we can share more. So, just we're going to leave. It is a book. I wrapped them all up and wrote guilt on them. So we focus our guilt. We put our guilt down and don't carry it with us because we've already been forgiven of our sins when we ask him. Uh, corn. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for taking that extra burden that we seem to think we must carry around with us day in and day out. Help us to learn from our guilt and not to do things again and again wrong, but to grow from them. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing offertory hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, number 445. your heads with me please for there is no one like you among the gods O lord we bring our tithes and our offerings that you may work with them that you will do great and wondrous deeds with our money and our time the gifts and talents you've given us that we may serve you for you alone are god 
Teach us your ways, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth and unite our hearts to give thanks to you. Amen. What a beautiful song. Be still and know that you are God. 
after that song, I kind of felt bad about moving and getting up here. I felt like I just needed to be still and be with God. Uh, and isn't it great to see Jerry and Adele here today? We're so glad y'all are here. It's so good to have you back home where you belong. <laughs> and and Nora, thank you for uh, for for uh, uh, revealing something that has been a mystery to me for so long, and that is what you ladies carry around in your purse that makes it so <laughs> doggone heavy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a, uh, a a Muslim tradition that says that on the day of judgment, a, a, bri- a bridge of paper will be stretched from the Mount of Olives over to the temple in Jerusalem. And only those souls who are not weighed down with sin will be able to cross safely on this bridge of paper. Well, folks, if that is the case, then I would suggest that a precious few of us will be able to make that journey. For you see, we are all sinners. And so the question that I have for us to think about this morning is this. What can I do about my sin? Or more specifically, what can I do about my guilt? Now, for some people, this is not a problem. There was a cartoon a while back that showed a man dressed up like a prophet. He had a long beard and a robe, and he was carrying a sign that said, Resist Temptation. And a rather seedy-looking character saw the sign and responded, I'm not interested in resisting temptation. I'm interested in finding it. And that's the way it is with some folks today. Some people simply don't carry a burden of guilt because of their sins. It is said that Joseph Stalin killed 20 million of his own countrymen, and yet he showed no sign of any guilt whatsoever. On his deathbed, he simply asked his wife to read some short stories from Jack London, and then he went peacefully off to sleep and died. Richard Nixon was asked what was the greatest lesson that he learned from Watergate, and his answer was, destroy all the tapes. I guess there are some folks who simply do not feel the weight of their sins. But other people do. And it is a heavy, heavy burden to bear. Arthur Miller's great play, Death of a Salesman, has been called by many the greatest American play ever written. And the predominant theme throughout the play is guilt. You see, the play's main character, the salesman Willie Loman, is coming to the end of his life and he realizes that he is a failure. A failure not only as a, as a salesman, but also as a human being. As the play unfolds, we, we find that a part of the tragedy of, Willie, of Willie's life is his guilt. You see, early on in, in Willie's career, he had an affair with a woman while he was out of town on a sales trip. And his son, Biff, decided to visit his dad on the sales trip as a surprise and sadly catches Willie in the hotel with the woman that he was having an affair with. Well, Willie and Biff's relationship died that day. And Biff entered an emotional tailspin that that he did not come out of for 15 years. He sees his father as a cheap, pathetic man And later he will ask, was it worth it? And Willie's answer is no. And certainly that is true. Willie was racked with guilt for his sin, not only for the betrayal of his uh, for his betrayal of his wife, but also for the damage that he had done to his relationship with his son. And it's no wonder that death of a salesman has struck a chord with so many people's lives because it precisely portrays the feeling that so many people experience today. Guilt. How many of us have ghosts of sins past dragging their ball and chain across the attic of our souls, tormenting us with our mistakes? Willie never escaped. So what can we do with our sin? What can we do with our guilt? 
Well, for some people, that becomes an obsessive question. One of the most chilling stories ever written was Edgar Allan Poe's Telltale Heart. Do you remember the story? The narrator, who was afflicted with guilt, became increasingly sensitive to noise, to sound, and, and particularly to the sound of a heartbeat. And as that sound grows louder and louder, he realizes that it is the heartbeat of a man that he had killed. And as the story continues, this, the, tale, the telltale heart literally drives this guilty man insane. And guilt can do that to a person, can't it? There's a Jewish parable about a family who wanted to protect their mentally challenged son from the Nazis. And so they paid a young German man who lived on their street to hide their boy. But instead of hiding him, he takes the boy off to the mountains and lets him starve to death. And then he takes over the couple's, the family's property and congratulates himself on his enterprise. But the next morning, while shaving, this young man sees a a bump on his forehead about the size of a goose egg. It is his guilt. And so he pushes at the goose egg bump on his head and it goes over, pops out on the other side of his head. And he keeps working at the bump until finally it's on top of his head. At which point he just puts a hat on. Goes to work. No one is aware of his guilt except for himself. But of course, even if you are the only one who knows about your guilt, it can still be a heavy, heavy burden to bear. Robert Butler did a sociological study of older adults and found that um, if these older people could review their life and feel good about the way they lived their life in their past, then they were able to face their upcoming death peacefully. But if they, were feel, if they were filled with regret and looked back on their life with a sense of guilt, their death was hard, hard to face. For some people, guilt is a terrible burden to bear. But we need to realize that guilt has its place in our lives. It does. Thus the title of my sermon, A Positive Spin on Guilt. You might think, well, what in the world is there positive about guilt? Well, folks, let me tell you something. Guilt is to the soul what pain is to the body. When we feel a stab of pain in our body, we know that there's something wrong and that there's something that we need to take care of. If you put your hand on a hot stove and you feel the burn, you know that it's time to do something about that. You remove your hand. And that's the way it is with guilt. You see, guilt helps us to see that there's, uh, there, there's something wrong with our life. An evangelist was once preaching about the, the weight of sin in our lives, and there was a young fellow out in the audience who decided to have a little fun with the evangelist. And so the young man interrupted the evangelist in the middle of his sermon and said, well, how much does this weight of sin, how much does sin weigh? How much does guilt weigh? Is it 10 pounds or 20 pounds or 100 pounds? And so the evangelist thought about this for a moment, and he said to the young man, let me ask you a question. If you laid 200 pounds on a corpse, would it feel the weight. And the young man said, no, it's dead. And so the evangelist responded, that spirit is also dead that feels no load of sin. You see, guilt is a warning sign that something's wrong. (laughs) Something's wrong. Sometimes we chuckle to read about such things as the government's conscience fund. Have you ever heard of this? The government's conscience fund? It's real, folks. Basically, it's a fund that has been set up by the federal government to receive money that people send in as a, as a sin offering, basically, if you will. They send the government this money because their conscience is bothering them. For example, one man sent a dollar, sent in a dollar to, to cover the cost of a bottle of oil that he stole years before when he was in the Air Force. And 
And another former uh, federal employee sent in $157 to cover lost time when he slipped away from work early in the day. You see, guilt says to us that something's wrong in your life that needs to be fixed. And, and sometimes restitution is a, an effective way of dealing with our guilt, though it is not always successful. Hans Christian Andersen once told a story about a boy who had a pet bird. And like some children with their pets, he neglected his bird and the bird starved to death. Well, as the bird was dying, it sang sad songs to try to get the boy's attention, but the boy never paid any attention and the bird died. And then after the bird was gone, the boy suddenly realized what he had done and he felt terrible about it. He felt a terrible weight of of guilt upon his shoulders. And so he sought to atone for his neglect by having an elaborate funeral service for his bird. He called all of his friends together and with great pomp and circumstance, they buried the bird. Of course, this sudden show of adoration did not bring the bird back to life and it did not undo what had already been done. All it did was to alleviate the feeling of guilt that the boy was feeling. So guilt tells us that there's something wrong in our lives. And if we ignore the voice of our conscience, then we we do so at our own peril, peril. Because you see, guilt is designed to motivate us to make some change in our life that needs to be made. Ellen Goodman once wrote a column column about a, a man whom she knew to be a bigot. And she called him a bigot and a tyrant and a creep. Obviously, he was not one of her favorite people. But she said, She said that this man went to therapy for three years because he felt bad about his personality and these biases and prejudices that he had. He felt bad about them. And after those three years of therapy, she said that he was still a bigot and a tyrant and a creep, but he no longer felt bad about it. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what we want these days, isn't it? We don't really want to change our lives. We just want to get rid of the guilt. The man went to the doctor and he's, he had been misbehaving and his conscience was bothering him. So he said to the doctor, will you prescribe me something that will help? And the doctor said, well, I don't think I can give you anything to make you stop misbehaving. And the man said, I don't want to stop misbehaving. I just want something to ease my conscience. And that's the way it is for oh so many people in our culture today. Guilt tells us that there's something wrong. And guilt motivates us to make a change in our lives. But folks, here is the most profound usefulness of guilt in our lives. Because guilt also points us in the direction of God. What can I do with my guilt? Can I remit some kind of act of penance? Can I say I'm sorry? Can I contribute to some good cause? Well, certainly those things can't do any harm, and sometimes they may even do some good. But listen to this, folks. There's only one way that you can truly blot out your sin as if it never happened. And that is to turn it over to God. That's the only way. Myron Madden once said, either we accept the atonement of God that uh, that God has offered us in Jesus Christ, or we seek to act out our own atonement with elaborate funerals or by sending money to a conscience fund or by going, going to a therapist. Guilt points us in the direction of God. But for some people, that's still too great a price to pay. Psychologist M. Scott Peck, in his book titled The People of the Lie, offers us a glimpse of one of the toughest counseling sessions that he ever had with a lady whom he calls Charlene. 
It seems that at a crucial point in their counseling session, he'd been working with her for, for many months, and at a crucial, crucial point in this session, Peck asked her what the purpose of her life was. At least from a Christian perspective, he asked, what is the purpose of your life? And Charlene said in a flat, monotone voice, we exist for the glory of God. And she said it as if she were sullenly repeating an alien catechism learned by, by rote and extracted from her at gunpoint. The purpose of our life is, we, is that we exist to glorify our God. Well, Peck asked. And there was a short silence. And after a brief moment, Peck thought that this woman might cry, which would have been the only time that had happened in all of their work together. And then she said in a quavering voice, I cannot do it. There's no room for me in that. That would be my death, she said. And then with a suddenness that frightened the psychiatrist, her choked back sobs turned into a roar. I don't want to live for God. I will not. I want to live for me. My own sake. Well, folks. Charlene's outburst effectively expressed the deepest and the most profound cause of guilt that so many of us carry. And here it is. We want to live for ourselves. M. Scott Peck writes that he had nothing to say to Charlene after her angry tirade. And he decided that she was a hopeless case. Guilt can be a very blessed thing if it turns us towards God. For you see, God is the only one who can cleanse us from our sins. And God has promised us that because of what Christ has done in our behalf, as our scripture said a moment ago, God will write God's laws upon our hearts and we'll remember our sins no more. Gone. Gone. As that old hymn says, and we're going to sing this hymn in a few minutes. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Nikos Kazantzakis wrote a book years ago titled Letters to Greco. And in this book, an old man is lying, dying. He's coming to the end of his life. He's filled with remorse for his sins. And at his death, he goes trembling before the Lord for judgment and there is a big bowl of aromatic oil placed at Jesus' fingertips. And as the man approaches the Lord, Jesus dips a sponge into the bowl and begins to wash his remorse, this remorseful man clean of his grime and his shame. And then Jesus says to the man, don't bother me with that stuff anymore. Go over there and play. That is the grace of Jesus. That is the grace of Jesus. And that is the only hope that we have for our guilt. Today, my friends, can be the dawning of a, of a new day for you. The past is the past. It's time to put that behind us. And if guilt is saying to you that something is wrong in your life, and if guilt is saying to you that, that you need to make some kind of change in your life, and if guilt is pointing your way, uh, you in the, in the direction of God, then listen to that voice. 
Unload that burden. Give it to Jesus. That's the message for today. Give it to Jesus. And let him take it upon himself. Amen. We're going to sing that song that I mentioned a moment ago. There's a fountain filled with blood. It's number 142 in your hymnal. We're going to make this an invitation for anyone who would like to lay that burden down. Folks, you saw it in a very demonstrable way with the the cans of guilt. It's heavy. It weighs us down. It holds us back. It keeps us from being the people that God wants us to be. But God has given us the opportunity to lay it down. And we invite you to do that today. If that guilt has been weighing upon you and, it's, and you feel that it's time to just let it go and give it over to God, then we invite you to come and to do that and say, Lord, I've been fighting this as much as I can now. I've been trying to deal with it all on my own now. And I can't do it anymore. It's yours. If that's the, the spirit of your heart today, we invite you to come and to give your guilt over to God and accept His loving grace for your life. Perhaps you would like to come and unite with our church and be a, become a member here at Community Baptist Church. We invite you to do that today. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We can do that as well. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come and share that. And I hope as we sing this song that you'll pay very close attention to these words because I hope that they describe your relationship with Christ. Let us sing together. There is a fountain filled with blood. Be seated for just a moment. I'd like to introduce somebody to you in case you have not met uh, this fine gentleman. This is Steve LaRue. And uh, Steve has been coming uh, to Community Baptist for, oh, I don't know, about six or eight weeks now. And and, uh, he's been coming with Mark. He's one of Mark's colleagues at at the Sanderford Center. And um, and he has come... um, to present his life and to say, I want to get rid of that burden of guilt and I want to, uh, to let go of that and I want to, to be a Christian. I want to, I've, I'm ex- I've accepted Christ into my life. I love Jesus and I want to be baptized into the faith. And so he has come to do that and uh, he's already 
been a part of our church. He's helping out at the Upward. He's at, back there filling popcorn and handing them out. And it's a great, great thing. So will you join me in welcoming Steve into the family of faith and into our family at Community Baptist Church by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 You see all that? You see all that? Everybody out here raising their hand. You know what they're saying? Amen. They're saying amen. <laughs> and, and they're also saying, by raising their hand and saying amen, they're saying that we love you, buddy, and we are here for you. And this is something I tell every member who joins our church. We're all ministers here, every one of us. All those people out there you see, they're ministers. And they have a role to play in the kingdom of God. And now you're a minister too. And so we're looking forward to the ministry that we have for you and the ministry that you have for us. What a great thing. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand for our benediction. I know you'll want to come and speak to Steve and congratulate him and uh, shake his hand and give him a hug and, and, uh, and share your joy with him. Let us pray. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.